I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you like what you hear, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Today's sponsor is Blue Land Cleaning. Blue Land is an eco-friendly cleaning products company on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic packaging. They offer their products as a set of reusable bottles, along with cleaning tablets that you simply add to warm water to make a full bottle of hand soap or cleaning solution. Also founded by a mom with a three-year-old son. My kids loved making all these products with me. And now we have these amazing glass bottles and all different color hues uh, that make cleaning a little bit more fun, especially during quarantine. Adrian Bankert is the author of Your Hidden Superpower, the kindness that makes you unbeatable at work and connects you with anyone. She is also an Emmy award-winning journalist and currently serves as a New York-based national correspondent for ABC News. Following a successful two-year run as the pop news anchor on the weekend edition of Good Morning America, Adrian has expanded her role and covers some of the biggest stories in entertainment on ABC News, including reporting breaking news of the day. Her compelling interviews can be seen on all of ABC News' platforms, including Good Morning America, World News Tonight, Nightline, and ABC News Live. Alumnus of the University of Southern California, Adrienne calls herself a tour guide, providing coaching and mentoring, and is a sought-after and engaging speaker across the U.S., and is very involved in philanthropy. In her spare time, she enjoys golf for charitable causes and striking up conversations with strangers. Welcome, Adrienne. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you for having me on. And I have to say, I'm sure you hear this all the time, but I love your name. Thank you. I don't hear it all the time. It's always nice to hear it. It's such a cool name. I'm like, Zibby, I want to know the whole story behind your name. Oh, it's short for Elizabeth. So it's not that exciting. But when I was in playgroup, a girlfriend couldn't pronounce Elizabeth and she called me Zibbeth and my parent turned it to Zibby. So there you go. I love your name. That is a cool story. Names mean something. So it's important. Oh, thank you. It's sort of been a pain most of my life having to spell it. Everybody gets it wrong all the time, but whatever. I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, congratulations on your book. So exciting. Your hidden superpower. Awesome. So if you're not nice to me now in this interview, like it it just (laughs) totally refutes the main premise of your book. (laughs) I mean, and and I actually differentiate nice and kind in the book. Like I have a whole thing on that. So if I was nice to you, you might be like, wait a minute. I thought you wanted to be kind here. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Actually, I found that chapter really interesting, the difference between nice and kind, because I hadn't really spent much time thinking about the difference. And which one was more important? Like you, I really do value kindness and I try very hard on a day-to-day basis to be kind and nice. But what do you, what's the main <laughs> difference between kind and nice? And, and just to like clear that up at the, from the outset. Well, I have my personal definition is that nice is a hello in the hallway and kind is a warm embrace. So even if you don't physically hug somebody, you are embracing that person's presence. You're conscious of where they might be. You know, I like to read faces. I like to examine where people are. I don't just want to make eye contact. I want to be fully aware of people so that, you know, say somebody's walking down the hallway and they look like they're having a down moment, that I am conscious enough that I would say something to try to lift their spirits rather than just treat everybody with this default politeness, I call it. Because if you look up the word nice, it means polite. And I think that it's good to be nice. I just think we need to graduate from niceties, kindness, in order to have more fulfillment in our relationships in our life. Nice is like the gateway drug to kindness. 
Like, oh, I like that. I'm going to borrow that and I'm going to give you all the credit. Dibby. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to give me credit. Take it. <laughs> no, it's going to be, it's going to go all the way around the world. I love that because, you know, I don't want people to think that nice is phony or nice is bad. It's just that I think of nice and how I was when I first got into my career and how most 20 something year olds are when they first get in their career, they are so nice and they're so sweet and they smile and they don't want to ripple any waves and they don't want to make any mistakes and they want everybody to like them. And I know there are some 20 year olds who don't really care if somebody likes them or not, they're just going to do them. But I figured as I was growing up, as I was becoming a grown up, that there had to be a point in my life where I was not so concerned about what other people thought of me. And it was more, I was going to be me and be fully confident in that. And that was going to attract the relationships and the life and the people that I needed and, and wanted. So that's the difference. So in your book, you talk a lot about just being yourself and how important that is, right? Yeah. And that's literally when I used to go to like sixth grade dances, my mother would say, just just be yourself. And I was like, who is that? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't even know. I can't even think of a word to say. I'm so insecure right now. How do you know how to be yourself? Don't you feel like you have to get to a stage in life? Now, of course, I know who I am, but I'm like, you know, in my 40s. So don't you feel like you have to first reach a certain sort of self-awareness and accept it, and then you can act on being you? Or do you think that some people are, they know who they are, but they're afraid to, to show it? I think that my whole life, like you, I've heard that. And I wish looking back, I could tell my 12 year old self what mom really meant or what dad really meant. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, wouldn't it be great if we could tell our kids what just be yourself really means so we could bottle it up and they wouldn't have to figure out like we did through the hard knocks of life or trial and error. When I saw kindness and I studied kindness, and used my desire for research as a journalist to kind of delve deeper into it, I realized that kindness was more than a random act or politeness. It was our identity. And when I looked up the word kind, I'm like kind. And I'm looking it up in the dictionary. I'm like, okay, yes, it means thoughtfulness, but then it also means nature and natural propensity and determination. I said, oh my goodness, we all are the human kind for a reason that in our DNA, that's who we are. So if I'm kind, then that means I'm just being myself. It was just like a big old light bulb flipped on in my head because in this quest for success or contentment or satisfaction, I was not satisfied considering myself who I was or just be yourself based on what I did. I didn't want it to be, my career made me feel like myself or my friends made me feel like myself. I was like, what is the essence of identity anyways? How can I bottle this up and how can I make it super practical where anybody on the planet could understand it? And it was kindness. There you go. It's right, right there in front of you all along. <laughs> Very simple. And the thing is, it's universal. Like we, we have conversations about inclusivity and diversity and wanting to raise good children. And, you know, I was noticing articles, like if you ask Kim Kardashian what she wants her kids to be like, one of the top three things is going to be kind. You know, if you ask Gary Vee what he thinks are strengths, one of the top three things is going to be kindness. So looking at successful people, looking at famous people and people who even run companies, I just was like, you know what? In work, we need kindness as much as we need talent, as much as we need people who have a great education. So it was like the universal language that we could all employ to shift the paradigm around what it means to be ourselves. 
And in your book, you talk about how using kindness allowed you to reach people like Hugh Jackman on much more of a fundamental yeah. level and how his mom, you know, had tried to instill kindness in him. And so you were like giving his mom kind of props by saying like, yeah. Yes. You know? <laughs> Nathan Fillion and Hugh Jackman both said the same thing, that their mamas told them to lead with kindness, to be kind, and that that stuck with them as grownups. And you know, I just was talking to a friend or hearing her story. She has a son who's, I think, nine years old now. He got told by his school that he couldn't come back because he had been having a problem with his temper. And I think about the children that we are raising now and how the concern of moms is like, I want my kid to be a good person. But we are surrounded by people who are still dealing with the same things that they dealt with when they were nine or 12 years old. To know that kindness made such an impact on somebody like Hugh Jackman, to me, is a little bit of an encouragement that moms, you are getting through to your kids by telling them to be kind. But I wanted to make it something where a kid could read this book, a grown-up could read this book, a CEO could read this book, a child could read this book, and, and still get the same thing, that kindness is the smartest thing you can do to be satisfied and be successful. And I like how in the book you address some people I think feel, well, I'll be taken advantage of if I'm too nice or I'm going to be a pushover, mm-hmm. like that whole, you know, gets a bad rap sometimes being nice so, yeah. or being kind rather. Sorry. Being kind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Changing the whole language. Changing my language. <laughs> Got to toss out the words. So how do you make sure that people's kindness, that it doesn't lend them to get taken advantage of? How do they make sure that it, other people don't misinterpret it and, and misuse it? I mean, I guess you can't really well, do anything, but... You can't. No, what I think is, you know, and I thought about like what I would say to a child or what I would say to somebody who was just starting their career. I have had to learn over time and through mentoring that I've got to be me and be able to stand alone in that if necessary. You know, I, I can't allow circumstances to change me. Like whatever's going on around me, stress, anxiety, fighting. <laughs> if I stay kind, if I remain anchored in kindness, then I am going to just be myself even when the whole world shuts down, even when people are mad, even when it's really tense at work, and even when people might try to take advantage of me. I think one of the biggest lessons I learned was actually from a woman who's still in my life. She's one of my best friends, but she mentored me for so many years. And she'd be like, Adrian, know your players. And I talk about that in one of the chapters of the book, because if you know your friends and you know your colleagues better then you know what to do. It's not, kindness is not this blanket, oh, just let everybody walk all over you and just do everything for them and just serve and everything's gonna be right with the world. It's not that. Kindness is sometimes keeping your mouth shut because what you say could be used against you in a negative way by somebody who says they're your friend. By, by keeping quiet, not only do you prevent conflict, but you also protect yourself. And, and that's what I want people to know is that it's not this blanket do-gooder book. It's be aware, be conscious of the people around you, even those who may have ulterior motives. So I, as I said, I think it's important to be kind. I think most people would agree with you philosophically. And yet I didn't dedicate however long it took you to write this book to writing a book about (laughs) kindness. So what was it about this concept that made you think like, okay, this is my book. This is what I want to work on. This is it. It wasn't my idea. Okay. My mentor told me to write it because I wanted to write a book for years. I'd I'd said, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book. I put it on my goal list, writing a book this year. And it never happened. And then the year that I wrote, I am a published author is the year it actually happened. 
that I got the publishing deal. So I'm a really big believer in writing things down and being specific with your goals. But at the time when I was on this quest of how can I grow up to be the woman that I always wanted to be, you know, I was really thinking about what is the key to fulfillment. My mentor had called me and said, I know what you should write a book on. You should write a book on kindness. And I listened to him. And because I listened to him, when I would not have written a book on kindness, that's why we have the book. It ended up helping me get to the answers about fulfillment and identity and authenticity and connection, which I'm hugely, hugely invested in. But he's the one that told me I should write a book on kindness because he knew that I had been so intentional in the workplace specifically about being kind. All right. So maybe you could just hook me up with him and he could tell me what to write a book about. I will do it. We can can holler at Bill. Bill Zibby wants to know. He'll tell you. I'm serious. I, I bet. That is he is he the one who wrote the uh, the foreword to the book? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he could tell you. He's in Sacramento. Actually, right now he's in Texas. But I will I will connect you. <laughs> okay. So how long did it take for you to write the book? What was the process like after all this, you know, intentional saying you were going to do it, sitting down to do it? What was it like? Better, worse, the same? Easy. Easy. It was the easy, it was actually the easiest thing in the world to write the book. It took about eight months. I wrote different chapters down. Like my process was to write the names of the chapters that I wanted in the book. Those changed, but overall they were like the same skeleton. And then in my travels, like I'd be in Tokyo and I'd be writing about what was happening with me. And it ended up lending itself to what was in the book. I was in Prague and I was writing. I was on planes between the United States and I don't know where I was going. Was it Hong Kong? But I would just write down different things and they would spark the chapters and kind of develop from there. So a lot of writing on planes. Yeah, I think that's the best place to write. It's the best place to do anything. Like nobody bothers you. It's like the only (laughs) protected space in the world is up in the air. (laughs) Well, you're above the fray, I like to say. Like you're above the things that kind of keep us too busy to sit down and write, but it's very therapeutic. And once you get it out, like once you realize what's inside of you, it's like, oh yeah, this is exactly what's going on. And you just like put it on paper. The hardest process for me was like the editing process and what else needs to go in and what else needs to take out. You know, that was challenging. That took forever. (laughs) And is there an example of a time where you felt like the kindness worked against you at work ever? And like, what did you do about that? I don't think that there was a time that kindness works against me. I'm trying to think. I write about in the book where there was this one moment where I was in Florida for a story and I had to rush to the airport to leave. And I found out my friend's husband was actually flying out at the same time. And so I said, oh, you know, let's connect. So I sat down, I talked to him and I had made time to drop off a friend's birthday gift at the FedEx before I left. Like I was endeavoring to really like take care of people while I was on this mission to get out of town. And I left my coat at the TSA, but I didn't know that until I was on the plane and realized it. Now my coat, and it was one of my favorite coats. And I was just like, no, because I hate losing things. And I thought to myself, did this, like trying to like be everybody's, you know, kind partner of intentional relationships, screw me over because I was like too busy to notice that I left my coat. Like I'm sitting there like questioning everything I did. And then I said, shut your mouth, like, just be quiet, chill out. Like you lost your coat. You're going to get your coat back. We got to figure this out. And I think that sometimes in life, we second guess ourselves because we really are endeavoring to be good humans. And we think it's coming back to us in a negative way, or, you know, we're being penalized for being good people. 
but don't listen. That's a, a voice of self-doubt. Keep doing you. Keep being just yourself, as your mama said. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out she to my mom. She was a wise woman. <laughs> yes, she was a wise woman. <laughs> for other people who are trying to write books, what advice would you have for them? Just be yourself. I really was about to say that. <laughs> you have to use something I else. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, it's funny because the biggest challenge for me, because this is my first book, it was super easy to just put it all out there, right? But then when you get other people involved and you're publishing, you sometimes question yourself. Like, am I doing this right? I should listen to you because you are an expert. And there are things that you need to listen to a publishing team and copy editors and marketing people all about, right? I get that. But at the, at the heart of your storytelling, you have to maintain that you know better than anybody what your story is. And don't be inflexible. Don't be difficult. But goodness gracious, I caused myself so much more grief because I was questioning my own story at certain times in the editing process. And it's like, no, you have to have the resolve and you have to follow peace. I say that if you're, if you get all like anxious ridden and so like tight and stressed out about something, know that you're not necessarily going in the right direction. You want to pause and just say time out. I know I have a deadline, but I've got to be true to my voice. And because I was true to my voice, when we got this book done, I was like, I can stand behind everything that's in it. Yes. So what do you attribute to your success professionally? You're an Emmy award winning a guru, author, broadcaster, journalist. What do you think it was? Is it something just in your DNA? You always knew you would achieve this or is it something with your family? Or is it, I know obviously kindness plays a huge role, but there are, you know, there are a million people who don't achieve what you did or what do you think it was? I think it's that I didn't quit because I think that for me, you know, When I was about 23, 24, I expected all of this that's happening now to already been happening. You know, like I really was always thinking I was delayed Hmm. and that I was late. And I thought, you know, why is it taking me so long to get to this point or that goal or whatever? And everybody's journey is so different. And you have to embrace the fact that life is not fair. I'm glad that I learned at a young age that disappointment causes more people to quit than anything, that life didn't turn out the way they thought it was going to be at 25, at 30, at 35, at 40, 50. You know, there are these these individual goals and landmarks that we decide this has to happen or I'm no longer a success. And once I realized that that was the trick that life tries to play with you, I decided I was going to overcome that way of thinking and determine to keep going. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care what I have to do. This is what's in my heart. I'm going to keep going for it. And I think the other thing that's really helped me to be successful is I say that mentors are tour guides and I have a great mentor in my life, but I also mentor other people and I have for over a decade. And being somebody else's tour guide is a teaching for you. And it helps reveal different things that you need to work on in your life. And so removing those blind spots helps us to find the treasure map that's specific to us so that we can stay on orbit, so that we can stay on our path. So those are two things. I love that. I'm going to, I love that treasure map analogy of life, right? Because we're all just trying to get (laughs) somewhere. (laughs) We're all looking for our pot of gold, whatever that means. It may not actually be gold. It may be something else, but yeah, we're all looking for it. One of the biggest lessons I've learned is that 
for me personally, when you hide who you are, when you hide your gifts, you're doing a disservice to everybody else. And I think sometimes we try to be either too nice or we try to fit into this mold or we try to do the right thing. And when we're just ourselves and stop hiding behind what we think should be, we are a lot more satisfied and fulfilled. And it doesn't matter what you do in life, any industry, like for the love of God, everybody stop hiding. Like that would be the mantra for this year. Stop hiding, get out there, show people what you're working with, you know? And yet we're all at home you know, forced into, <laughs> forced into this, like, you know, hibernation of sorts. creativity. We're forced into creativity. We're forced into innovation. I was feeling that same way myself. Like, God, what am I going to do? Cause I'm such a social butterfly and I'm sure you are as well. Yes. And it's like, I've decided that if I could do anything, kindness can't be beat by anything. So what would I do that was kind that would get me out of my own head? And that's when the innovation came back. Like, that's why they call it a breath of fresh air, because it clears the air and gives you clarity. It's like, oh, I just got a fresh idea because I'm thinking of other people instead of my own isolation or whatever. Well, so what, was your, what were your ideas? What did you do? How did you get through it so far? Oh, we're going we're gonna to keep, keep it going. Okay. No, just so, sorry. Uh, I just, I have, to, I have to know now, like, what was your, what, what, <laughs> and then I'll let you go, I promise. But uh, <laughs> No, no, it's all good. I'm, I'm happy to keep chatting. So, so like, for example, I'm from a big family. I'm from seven kids. So being isolated where you can't go out, you can't see people was just like more devastating than I realized it would be like at my heart, like my, it was like, I felt it here. Like this is terrible, you know? And so I thought, okay, Adrian, read your own book. And I, I literally read my own book to get to this answer. I said, okay, who do you want to help right now? Who does your heart break for? Who do you care about? I care about people who are living by themselves, who don't know what to do, who feel disconnected. Okay, so what would you tell them? What would you say to them? Because like, I had to take myself out of the equation. Kindness is about giving other people their answer, answering their ask, I call it. So I was like, okay, so their ask is, how do I get out of this? I said, okay, well, then you have to create the light at the end of the tunnel for yourself. Like when there is no light at the tunnel or in the, uh, at the end of the tunnel, then create your own light. So I said, I would tell them to write a letter to themselves. <laughs> And so I said, Adrian, you need to write a letter to yourself. And so I wrote a letter and I recorded that. And I actually told Good Morning America, like, can we do this and tell people to write their letter? And as you know, because you love authors and books so much, writing is just one of the most powerful things you can do. And so I really felt like it was important to share our stories surrounding this. So that was my first idea was write your future self a letter to tell yourself how strong you are because you were strong enough to make it through. And then after that, I said, well, what else can you do? You know, well, I miss people's faces. So I started sending video texts instead of regular text messages. And, you know, when you would say, okay, I hope you're safe or stay strong or, you know, the things that we've been saying to each other, instead I would make a video and say, you're amazing. I can't wait to see your face. Like, I just wanted to tell you. And like, make it a 10 second selfie video. And people were really like lifted by that they'd smile because it was like, oh my gosh, a face, you know, I haven't seen one in a while. (laughs) And then the third thing is GMA asked me, what are five things that you do for your own mental health? And so thinking about kindness, thinking about ways that I've reached out was one way, but also I do talk about this in the book. You do need to be kind to yourself and deep breathing, journaling, again, writing, 
taking walks just to clear your head, stop overthinking, and then relying on that inner circle that you do have, not thinking that you have to do this alone. Because even if we're alone in our houses, we're not really alone from the people who love us and care about us, our friendships. There's somebody who cares. And then the other thing is one of my colleagues, actually one of my cameramen had accidentally called me during this whole thing. And I said, Hey, and I said, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I called you an accident. I said, no, I'm so glad you called me. Cause I know he lives alone. I said, how are you? And he's like, I'm not doing so hot. And I said, okay. I was like, I'm calling you every once in a while. Like I'll adopt you. Like I'm like your daughter. Like I'm just going to check in. And I really, really believe that this needs to continue no matter what we're going through. Like it's not normal to be disconnected. It's not normal to not check in with people or, you know what I'm saying? Like call your friends, call people you care about, call your colleagues, call your clients just because. So those are the things that snapped me out of it because it really, really hit me hard, like a ton of bricks. Those are great suggestions. I love that little video clip. I I feel like people might be like, oh, enough. (laughs) Stop for me. I don't know. But I love it. That's a great idea because I would love to receive that from friends, right? So anyway, those are all great ideas. And that's the thing. Do, Do what you would want done for you. Like everybody's different, right? But you would want to see somebody's face. Like that would make you happy. That's why I do this all day long. (laughs) (laughs) Hasn't this helped you? Oh my gosh, so much. I mean, it's amazing. Every day I'm talking to, you know, one to five new people and getting to know them. It's it's amazing. It's so fulfilling to me. And then I can like go back into the rest of my my house and deal with the kids and the housework and all the rest of it. And, And it like, you know, it fills my bucket for that, you know, to use that cheesy phrase, but it really does. Well, and that, and that's the thing is that we have, you know, so much tension or whatever, and it's like that can lend itself to other emotional rawness where you might have an outburst or you might, you know what I mean? Like, and it's up to us to keep ourselves centered in who we are, our kind selves, our highest self, so that we are prepared for that tense moment or that, because the world, the pressure is not going away. But our response to it is our responsibility. And if we center it in kindness, we're a lot more in control than we know. We're a lot stronger. I'm hoping the current stress goes down a little bit. That would be nice. <laughs> that, that from your lips. You know? <laughs> like, somebody's I, listening. <laughs> I would love to take back my old bucket of stresses that I thought were a big deal. <laughs> that would be like a walk in the park. <laughs> well, I think no matter what the stress is, I don't think it's ever going away. But I also think that kindness is never going away. It's never going out of style. And I think, you know, for a lot of us is, I mean, I hate to say it, but a lot of us as women, we think about the shelf life of what we're doing. I think a lot of times, like how long am I going to be able to get to do this? You know, with, with parents, like, well, one day they're going to move out and you know, it's going to be an empty nest. You know, you think my friend's thinking about that because her daughter's 16. She's like, she's leaving soon, you know? And it's like, so take all the things in your life that have a shelf life out of the picture. And what are you left with? There are only a few things that are timeless and kindness makes you timeless. And it was Diane von Furstenberg's book where she was quoted as saying, like, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was in my twenties, but I knew what kind of woman I wanted to be. That makes us so timeless. We will be classics. And that's what I wanted. I was like, what can I do in this world that will never be told to me? Like, nope, you're too late. That's past. That was a trend. <laughs> like, it was kindness. So 
Kindness and perhaps the Diane von Furstenberg dress. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Who doesn't want those gifts? I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Thank you. Sorry for extending this, but I'm so glad I did because those were that w- those were great pieces of advice, and I loved hearing how you are getting through this time because. You know, everybody needs someone else's perspective every so often to pick them up and get them past this finish line. So thank you for all that. And thanks again for all your time. Oh my gosh, thank you. It was a pleasure so much. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to my podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you liked this episode, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and sign up for my mailing list at zibbyowens.com so you can always hear about the latest things I'm up to. Thanks a lot. Thanks to Blue Land Cleaning, our sponsor for today's episode. Blue Land Cleaning, get your single-use plastic packaging. Make that a thing of the past with this eco-friendly cleaning products company. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. Mm-hmm.